0: You're listening to Craving the Future with Michael Perman.
1: Well, your true essence, your creative genius is this essential, wafting, waving kind of presence that's rising all the time.
0: As a futurist and someone who galvanizes teams to think and act differently, Michael has been leading innovators, designers, and creators for over 25 years. Each interview will offer a unique conversation with the most brilliant, creative, and outside-the-box perspectives that exist today. Michael's guests are filled with humor and have a fresh take on exploring the future ahead.
1: I I think that in general, people are craving wholeness. They're craving the entire uh, complexity, the entire symphony. They're craving the experience of uh, what potential is and when it comes to creativity we're craving remembering the truth of who we are
0: welcome to craving the future with michael perman
2: human potential is a movement in the sense of society's awakening to our opportunity to greatly improve all aspects of our lives as well as a movement in the sense that we are all dynamic beings living in a world of quantum energy our minds are elastic We form new neural pathways continuously. We can repair damage that feels like regret, and we can establish the conditions that enable us to create what's next, a beautiful future that is in our
1: own grasp. The the reason that we are not reaching our potential is because we're not operating in a state of creativity. We're operating in a state of reactivity.
2: Sue Morder is a world-class expert on generating the creative energy that leads us to fulfilling our potential. For over 30 years, she has been teaching healthcare practitioners, patients, and students integrative approaches to wellness based in quantum science and energy medicine. Innovators are hungry for the type of pure, authentic creative energy that Dr. Sue knows how to unleash for inventing your personal and professional future as well as healing from the past, so you are prepared to move forward. I was introduced to Sue from our mutual friend, Lisa Schneiderman, and we spoke to Sue from Keystone, Colorado. Let's welcome Dr. Sue Morder to Craving the Future.
1: Hello there, Michael. It's wonderful to be here. I'm so looking forward to our conversation
3: And can you uh, describe the physical environment that you're currently in? I am in uh, Colorado in the
1: mountains. I drove into the mountains yesterday and have been surrounded by the most beautiful snow-covered peaks and uh, little flurries of snow coming in with it looking like diamonds in the sky yesterday as I just looked, looked up into the sun from where I was standing. And I thought, this is the perfect place to be for a couple of days in between a few seminars that I'm teaching and, uh, just capture a moment of, of landing and grounding and rejuvenation and, and then beginning again to share the things that I love to share. So I'm, I'm, am very
3: happy where I'm sitting right now. <laughs> Do you get your energy from the natural world? Yes, I'm constantly
1: perceiving the world around me, but it doesn't require such a beautiful and pristine environment, such as what I'm sitting in right now, to actually feel a deep level of appreciation, because I, I'm i always captivated by the the uh, myriad of ways that humanity has generated uh, different living environments and different circumstances for itself, and I always just get inspired about the way that we live in all of the ways that we're choosing to live on this planet. But yes, I'm in constant connection with nature because actually humanity is part of nature. We we have a tendency to perceive ourselves as separate from nature uh, and the world around us. And the more we can come to realize that it's all just an energetic continuum that that is existing here and we're a part of that continuum... The greater chance we have of drawing from greater resources from beyond what we perceive as this separate self just trying to survive in the world. So I would say, yes, I'm constantly aware of a flowing stream of energy that is connecting me in uh, a variety of ways to every experience that I'm having.
3: Well, I love that. And it, it evokes some um thoughts about my definition for innovation, which I'd like to share with you and see how that lands on you. Innovation is the ability to perceive alternative realities and the courage to move towards those visions. How does that comment land on you?
1: <laughs> it, it lights up every cell in my being. And so I would say that's about as beautiful of a statement as can be made. It is It is exactly... Um, the way I approach life and what I'm working with, encouraging people not only to do, but but revealing to them ways that I have found in 30 years of working with patients and clients, as well as my own personal journey, uh, sharing ways to actually do that. How do we begin to become courageous enough to step into something that is unknown that we haven't ever ever felt before or seen before, or perhaps we don't even see any what what it is that we're stepping toward anywhere except in our mind's eye, and so how do we know what direction to even begin to step uh, to endeavor uh, that that the embodiment of that that very perception that we're having so so it's it's a very thrilling uh, perspective. As far as I'm concerned, where everyone I think should be should be should be living,
3: when I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, my father was an educator, but he was also an existentialist, and he subscribed to the Journal of Metaphysics, which we found volumes of in in the basement. He used to say to me, "You know, Michael, humans only achieve about six percent of their potential in life." Now, I wondered about that for many reasons. One was, where did the actual number come from and how are we actually measuring the brain? And then the concept of potential in general. Um, So I'm wondering about human potential. Sometimes human potential has been called a movement. Is that a fair characterization?
1: I feel that it is represented as a movement currently uh, because we are awakening to it and it appears that we're moving towards something and actually all i see is happening is we're remembering a greater portion of our wholeness and as we remember that as we allow that to be ignited in our own consciousness and we perceive it as possible something greater as possible for me than what i could perceive <clears throat> excuse me just just a moment ago or yesterday or a week ago or a year ago then it looks like I'm growing. It looks like I'm evolving. But, but energy, from an energetic and a quantum world standpoint, what's <clears throat> excuse me? What's actually happening is our awareness is just opening up. We're remembering a greater version of of who we are. And so it is our destiny, in my in my estimation, that we are we're here to remember. We come here to this this entire dimension, and we take a body and we live this life as a human being. So that we can remember ourselves as more than just human, and as we become awake at a more than five sensory level and we start to tap into that what we would reference as an, an internal knowing, a gut feeling, an intuition, a hunch, uh, or or being led by some higher purpose of uh, of some nature, we begin to to access and activate. a a version of ourselves that that was previously just sitting dormant waiting for us to land our awareness on it. And as we do that, it looks like we're moving towards something great, and we are in our awareness if we're to try and measure that in a linear sense. I, I like to look at it like we're blossoming, we're opening to a greater reality versus trying to move from here to somewhere over there Because when we look at it as moving from this state of consciousness over there to that one, it creates this inference internally, subconsciously for an individual that there's something lacking or something missing, and that I have to go over there and get what it is that's missing. I have to attract or achieve or go towards something in order to ever experience my wholeness. And, And in reality... Uh, what is happening is we're sitting still, and we're opening to a, a greater sphere of engagement. And and when that sphere continues to get bigger and bigger, with the the kinds of concepts that we allow to pass through our own conscious awareness, or the kinds of things that we're comfortable doing, or the adventures that we're that we're becoming more familiar with, and allowing ourselves to to, uh, experience. Uh, it feels like we're moving, we're, we're evolving or changing. And, and, and what I've been able to experience in, in my own practices is that we're, we're truly just remembering our wholeness. And as that happens, um, we step into an entirely different reality and, um, and we become more ingenious. We become more creative We become less defensive, less protective, less fearful, and less performance-based and really just um, begin to be more celebratory in life um, rather than trying to accomplish something in order to feel uh, better about ourselves in some way. So I'll stop there and see where you want to go with that. (laughs)
3: well there's a lot of places to go um, but I think the most interesting thing to me is that it's very paradoxical so uh, what I'm getting from what you said was in some way we've already lived all the life we need to live because so much of it is in the subconscious and we didn't physically live it we may have thought of it Uh, we may process it we may be accessing uh, memories from our reptilian brain uh, but the you know the, the totality of the existence is, or at least our, the way we act about it, um, is already there. As opposed to, wow, there's so much potential in life, and I'm going to go get it and see it. I'm going to take this trip. I'm going to meet this person, uh, and therefore I'm going to be inspired with fresh thinking. So help me understand that paradox a little bit more, because you would think that, you know, what's out there in front of you in the horizon is also beautiful and inspiring for your creative genius.
1: It's kind of, yes, it's kind of a collaborative. It's a collaboration in that, you know, we know that the outer world is a reflection of our own consciousness. And if I'm tapping my consciousness fully, then I look out through the projector that I am, I look out and I see the movie that I'm projecting onto the screen in front of me as a whole and beautiful life that I'm living. And if I'm only awake to a portion of my full potential, my full capacity, I then as the projector, like, think of it like a movie projector projecting onto a screen, then, then the movie that I have the ability to project is one that has lack has, has you know, disease has challenge has difficulty, and in, in, imbued in it, and in just infused and interwoven into the into the mix to a greater degree than if I'm standing in my wholeness and projecting a movie. If I'm standing in my defensive, protective, fight or flight, you know, as you mentioned, the reptilian self then i interpret everything that's already out there as potentially dangerous. I hear certain things that someone says. And I hear them in a fashion that would tend to have me think they're questioning me. And it's all because I'm questioning myself and will continue to do so until I step into a greater degree of my wholeness and can perceive that, that there is abundance here. And, as I perceive the abundance here, I am setting myself into an even greater uh, degree of creativity and uh, and um, a a generative disposition rather than being in a state of reactivity and uh, and survivorship so you know i 'm always encouraging people to. To come back home to themselves, it's it's kind of like I use this analogy that when we land here, we kind of splat, we kind of disperse, and our body goes one way, our breath goes another, our minds go a different way, and the whole spiritual context is just dispersed. And so, we have a really hard time experiencing our wholeness because we tend to, in that dispersed state, identify as the mind in our five senses, looking to the outer world to figure out what we need to do next to be safe. And we build an identity out there. We build a life out there in that dispersed state. And we build our relationships on conditionalities. We we choose our careers based on survivorship. We have a tendency to do all kinds of things based on partialness. And we live a life that way until it starts to feel painful, because it will eventually feel painful if we're only operating from a partial, you know, a portion of who we are. So Ultimately, at some point in one's life, we have a tendency to hit a wall or to, or to want to find something, some different approach to feel better, to feel more whole, to feel more, more complete. And so we search and we search and we search. And then eventually, uh, at, at some point, we drop back in to ourselves. Sometimes it's in defeat, a surrender in defeat. Sometimes it feels apathetic. Sometimes we crash physically even but ultimately we land back in in a soul searching kind of in, directing our attention inwardly instead of outwardly and in that moment we're actually birthing into a new phase of our of our own evolution and it's an essential phase. It's one that, that is kind of built into the structure of being on planet Earth in the first place. And so mm-hmm. when we do that, we start to trust and, and feel and breathe with the mind and the body and the breath coming back together, for example, and that giving us a deeper sense of, of self. And when that sense of self begins to ignite... That then then we we begin to want to honor it and trust it because we've we've been through so much that now at this point it feels like you know what have I got to lose I might as well trust my God I might as well go with this thing on the on this inside that is is yet unnamed in fact previously it has felt like a great void in here but that void is is pure potentiality, just a smorgasbord of, of of creativity that's waiting to be tapped. And we just have to direct our attention inwardly in order to access that. And as we do, we begin to reveal as an entirely different being, living in an entirely different world. And yet there's your paradox. Nothing has changed. We've changed. Our perspective has changed. Our our perception field uh, is changed. And because of that, the movie that we're projecting onto the movie screen looks to be a very different movie. And the world, therefore, that we're walking in seems to be a different reality.
3: You make it sound easy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I uh, I understand. The hard part's getting to the easy part. It really is actually easy. Yeah. It's just that we've been trained to live differently than that. So it seems hard to perceive beginning to do something like that, and that's it's why a real
3: flip in our perception of who we are, isn't it? Like yeah, completely. It? In
1: fact, I, yes, I, I call it a quantum flip. You know, in in the quantum world, which is you know this new science that everyone is talking about these days, and and it is it's it's really the bridge between science and spirituality. It's it science is teaching us that spirituality has been. Has been kind of tr- right all along, and and then spirituality is having to grow because science is proving that that we are much more in charge of our of our even our spiritual experience uh, than than we thought, and so it's really putting us in this leadership role. But the quantum flip is an actual quantum term that. That is referencing the tiniest particle that we've, that we've uh, discovered in, in the physical world, uh, one of the tiniest particles is a, f- a photon, and a photon has been measured to be m- moving based upon human thought. So, so what this means is humans can think a particular thought, and the physical environment moves in accordance with what we think. So we're creating our reality by the thoughts that we think. Is is I mean that's grossly simplifying what's happening in this in this quantum research, but but that's basically what's going on. They're saying that when we think a, a negative thought, uh, not only does our own DNA Uh, helix change shape um, versus if we think a a positive thought, it changes shape. Uh, Not only does that happen, but that DNA, uh, the vibration of that out in the physical world has an impact on these tiniest particles in in our physical reality. So human thought affects human form, human form affects our outer world, etc., fascinating stuff for us to think about. And and the quantum flip is this, that this tiniest particle in another type of of research regarding the, the quantum world can be measured moving in two opposite directions at the same time. And in our physical linear world, that's not possible. Something is moving to the east, it has to slow down before it can turn and move to the west. Right. So so in the quantum world, they're finding, no, that's not at all possible and that's not necessary. It doesn't have to slow down and reach a zero point field before it's in an it's moving in an entirely different direction. Our minds cave and wrap around that because we 're used to to thinking logically, and what quantum science is showing us is that actually reality is far beyond logic, and that 's what we need to start accepting if we really want to be able to be masterful over this physical, this physical world that we 're living in in, in in our life experience in it and so I referenced this whole flip of our own consciousness of from living from the outside world in to living from the inside world out as this quantum flip that yes we're receiving stimuli from the outer world in but it's not that we're supposed to accept that as all there is and just build a better way of responding to it or reacting to it that we're also supposed to be tapping this 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 flow of creativity in our highest realms of consciousness that is streaming through the core of our own system, measurably so, that we're supposed to tap that with our conscious mind and bring it outward and just trust it and speak it into existence and step into what we sense and feel and know to be possible as though we just see it already. And um, and those two energies moving in that same direction are actually what create the human experience if the human is going to be living as a creator, which is Is our destiny? We come here to wake up to the fact that we are creators uh, here, creating. And so, to create, it's it's very different than to survive. It's uh, survival is is a simplified byproduct of your own creativity and not something that we're supposed to be using as our primary operating system. It's supposed to be a default mechanism that kicks in uh, upon necessity, but we've never really learned how to use the primary system the way that it was designed. So I reference the quantum flip as us flipping our, our, our go point, uh, from the out, outer world to the inner world and allowing that impetus that lies inside of us to truly be a guiding light, uh, that, that gives permission for us to just almost as if you're closing your eyes and going for it. Um, I know that that has mm-hmm. certainly been the case in my life and, and has, has learned, has, has been a, a wonderful new reference point for the the many many people that I'm working with on a in a clinical manner and in a in a research fashion to uh, to really activate our our true uh, embodiment of of our ultimate potential.
3: I love the analogy uh, because regular computer uh, computing is binary. So ones and zeros are essentially binary. So um, from a computing standpoint, quantum is a lot more flexible and open. Now I understand the relationship to us in terms of our uh, potential for accessing the past and the future almost at the same time. So that's fascinating. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, And we'll be right back to listen to my second half of the interview on human potential with Dr. Sue Mortar and especially talk about how you can live in your creative genius and experience a level of personal freedom.
0: Over the edge of what's expected Off to the side of what's been done
3: Beyond what's already been detected There burns a hotter, brighter sun Beneath the veil which hides the essence Beyond the words Its scoff and shun So, uh, we're back with Dr. Sue, and I'd love to hear your point of view about creative genius. First of all, how do you describe creative genius, and how would we know if we were in that zone?
1: (laughs) first of all it usually feels better than than any other zone that we find ourselves in uh, as human beings and and our 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 way of becoming reactive we we kind of wake up in the morning and we don't even realize that we've slipped into this reactive state and before our feet hit the floor and then we're we're traversing through the house if somebody says something or we see the news or or we engage in life we're we're, we're very often slipping into unconsciously this reactive state and we live there day in day out so often and it's quite painful so how do we recognize and uh, how do we recognize we're in the painful zone is pretty easy how do we how do we move from the from that place to a creative genius is is really ultimately um what what my purpose on the planet is that's what i love sharing with people and then how to recognize that we are there ultimately so When someone finds themselves in a painful disposition, what I'm encouraging people to do is to bring their attention just onto the core of their own being, just really use their body in a physical dynamic kind of way to help them anchor their consciousness, anchor their mind in a way that slows it down a little bit. Because when the mind is in in an untethered state, it tends to rush and and write stories and fill in blanks of things that we don't know. And they're usually, it it can be based in a fear-based disposition for protection. So we write stories to figure out people's motivations, what's going to happen next. And it's it's kind of a fear-based uh, thing that we're engaging in, and that always leads to pain. And so what we have to do is slow the mind down. If you picture the mind as this rapid-moving ceiling fan that's spinning so fast you would never stick your – and if you could picture that 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 smooth, waving, rising presence approaching the ceiling fan, it would never – move through that, it would, it would get chopped off. So what we have to do is learn how to slow down the ceiling fan so that our true essential self, which is our creative genius, our true foundational being can rise up through and beyond that thinking mind that operates like this rapid moving ceiling fan just long enough for us to experience ourselves up far beyond our limiting beliefs, our past perspectives, our perceptions that are based on inherited uh, dispositions from our family and our culture and our environments or our own past experiences that have been hurtful and painful. And so, you know, we dig in our heels and lock lock down the brakes thinking that life isn't fair and isn't safe, et cetera. So when we learn to slow the mind down, then we can rise up through that place and experience ourselves beyond our thinking mind. And that's where we tap a mind field, an aspect, a vibrational frequency of the mind field that is a higher frequency than the one that we were living in underneath the ceiling fan within our own uh, encapsulized, encaged, uh, in, in uh, uh, limited belief system. So, so as we do, uh, a way to do that, just with a tool that you'll have with you, no matter where you are and where you find yourself in that experience, is to just bring your attention onto your body. Because the body is vibrating at a frequency that is closer to the earth, um, and and it is more your natural state than, as we were speaking about earlier in our conversation. And the closer we can get to our natural state rather than our man-made state with our thinking mind that is based in fear and trying to find a solution to our problems, uh, we begin to feel more of our wholeness. So just a little exercise that anyone could do right now just as they're listening uh, to this conversation. Just throw your energy across the room. Just take all your energy, your concentration, just your attention, and throw it onto something over there across the room. And then notice how that feels. And then pull all of your energy back home inside the core of your body. Bring it all onto to you, off of that object of your attention, and bring it back onto the subject, onto you. Just call all of your energy back home. And bring it down into your heart and bring it down lower into your belly and even down into the pelvic bowl at the tip of your spine, which is actually where a lot of our creative energies reside in higher concentration, Uh, amazingly enough, as we jump into our heads so often and live up there. But notice how it feels when you just call all your energy back into the core of your body, just onto subject. And then throw the energy back onto object, or you can do this. Maybe there's someone else in the room with you right now, or maybe later today, uh, you can at dinner table tonight, you throw your energy across the dinner table, and then you pull it back, just just within your own little experimental lab, and you'll feel a different energy, and that energy yeah. is beginning to tap into the realm or the, the bandwidth of frequencies where creative genius lives. And when we're splatted and dispersed and and out there in that uncomfortable survival strategizing place, um, it's really tough to be creative uh, we We come up with creative solutions out of like the you know the necessity is the mother of invention type of idea, but there's another way that we can do that without having to live on that burnout edge of. Of really the push of life. Instead of trying to push the river, we want to ride the river. We want to become that river, that stream of energy that's truly running through the body, from above your head down through the body and to the earth. A measurable stream of energy that is the supportive vital force that keeps us connected to the whole of nature. And when we tap that, uh, we feel better. When we feel better, our our brains even kick into a different gear and they start receiving messages that, that the, the brain starts receiving messages from the body that all is grounded, that all is well. And when we're doing that, then we open to greater possibility. By, by our design, we're made of creative energy. The whole of the universe is built on creative energy. And we know that physical matter is just compressed energy. If you compress the energy of the universe, you ultimately create physical matter. It matter, Physical matter, including the human body, is just compressed energy. Well, the quality of that energy that it is made of to, to be compressed, to generate a physical body, is creative energy. So you're made of creative energy. So the one who thinks that they're not very creative is, it, is, is not accurate. I hate to say they're wrong, but they're just wrong. It's just not true. We're all creative. It's just a matter of how much of that creativity are we allowing our conscious mind to come into contact with, tap into, and utilize, and steward. You know, Einstein said that, that you know, we were given this beautiful gift of the intuitive and this rational mind to act as its loyal servant, and we've created a culture that honors the servant instead of the gift. And this is my point that we live in our heads, we live in our minds. Instead of using our minds to steward this beautiful creative energy that's running through our system, it's tappable any moment. And the moment you go from your attention on object out there and pull it back home onto subject, you begin this journey of being able to sense and feel on a sensory level much more subtly. Instead of the gross, dense energies that we're used to being able to perceive with our sensory nervous system in the outer world, we now become attuned to a more subtle stream of information that's constantly flowing through our own uh, individual human system. And when we develop the sensory nervous system's ability to perceive those subtle energy fluctuations, it starts to be able to interpret them as thoughts and impressions, and, and and ingenious ideas. Creativity is at its best. So, how we know that we're in creative genius? We're back on subject. We're breathing in our belly. We're breathing life force into the belly, not in the upper chest, but low in the belly to activate these deep, this cauldron of deep creativity that resides in our core. And we feel a whole lot better than we felt living in our survivorship. And there's just a sense of connectivity to the rest of creation, because we're honoring that. We're dialing into the possibility that we're not alone, that there's a great connected system that I am a part of, and I begin to teach myself to draw from beyond my physical body and uh, and the world that I've been used to and tap a world that, that has previously seemed uh, invisible, uh, unreachable, un- inaccessible, and I become the bridge that brings it into fruition uh, through that that courage that you spoke of earlier.
3: Hmm. That lights up so many aspects of my runway. Um, the concept of flow state, the concept of mojo. When I was leading innovation at Gap, we taught creativity to 3,000 people. And I always believed that even though I'm not a neuroscientist, that there was a neuroscience arc to what we do because we would initially evacuate people's memory of the way that they thought of the world and the problem that we were trying to solve. At first, uh, through yoga, through music, through improv theater, and then there was this arc of a dopamine rush of people desiring to come up with new ideas. There was this cortisol moment where after they would work for many hours, felt like they hadn't really accomplished anything, even though they had. And then there was this oxytocin moment, usually produced by some combination of music and food or physical uh, connection, like dancing and singing, that would make people feel calm again, be ready to produce. Um, And I think sort of the, the way you articulate it is essentially that arc, One of the things I've always wondered about the creative world and the concept of creative energy, when it comes to creative genius, what do people crave? Mm.
1: Well, your true essence, your creative genius, is this essential, wafting, waving kind of presence that's rising all the time. I, I think that in general people are craving wholeness. They're craving the entire uh, complexity, the entire symphony. They're craving the experience of uh, what full potential is. And when it comes to creativity, we're craving remembering the truth of who we are.
3: That's uh, beautifully said. It is um, paradoxical. It is a quantum flip, and it's a completely new way of looking at the world, um i'm so happy you're here with us today i think we're uh, about done um this is michael perman and today we interviewed dr sue mortar you can follow her on facebook at dr sue mortar and you can learn more about her videos blogs and seminars and retreats on her website dot and dr sue do you, do you um, want to say anything about your upcoming book
1: Oh, well, I, yes, I have a book coming out with Simon and Schuster in the spring of 2019. In fact, I just wrote the final paragraph of the book yesterday. Uh, I just put the final period at the end of the sentence, uh, of the last sentence in the paragraph. And, and, uh, so I'm turning that in and we'll be going through the editing processes and all of that, uh, beautiful machine that Simon and Schuster has. Mm-hmm. And, uh, So it will be coming out, and it's um, going to be based on this quantum flip and using some codified ways of creating that flip in your own life and being able to anchor consistently your creative genius as a way of being, as your original uh, MO, the circuitry that you're built to be living on. And so I I very much look forward to bringing that forward for uh, the help of humanity's stewardship of their own genius, um, unfolding, moving forward into the world. So I look, I look forward to that. And thank you so much today, Michael, this has just been a wonderful conversation. And I'm so thrilled for the work that you're doing to pull these ideas together and to reach out to so many people in such a genius fashion as, as you are, the, the wave of you is, is amazing to be in. So it's been,
3: it's been a, a great delight. Wow. Well, thank you. I feel inspired and enlightened and just a little more in the flow today. (laughs) Wonderful.
0: (laughs) Me too. Thank you for listening to Craving the Future. Our musical director is Peter Himmelman, announcer and branding expert Lisa Schneiderman, and your host, Michael Perman. For more information about Michael and his company, visit us at saywhat.org. That's C-E-S-T-W-H-A-T.org.